people savour their daily coffee, be it one or multiple. Uh, so it's nice to participate in that, and it's nice to have an accompanying story that we go through annually to produce the coffees enjoyed. This is The Producers. I'm Danny Vallant. Jamal Murat founded Australian coffee company Jack Murat, named after his grandfather and co-owned with his brothers and father. Jack Murat grows coffee beans in North Queensland on land that was previously used for tobacco and annual crops. With coffee, they've found a project that's promising enough to engage the whole family in a lifetime commitment to the farm, the crop, and a unique high quality product that he hopes will be enjoyed in cafes around the country. I'm Jamal Murat. My job within the uh, company is to sort of represent us in all manners post sort of farming itself. So the less difficult part of the, the job. I've been involved with the family operation since 2014, since, since our first planting essentially. So it's been a long time coming, but now we're more or less on the start line ready to yeah, sell our coffee and introduce it to the Australian market. Uh, Jack Murat uh, starts, the story starts with my grandfather, uh, Humet Murat, who was an early uh, immigrant to Australia from Albania. He moved over here in the 1920s. And on moving here, sort of forged a career in agriculture in sort of a you know, pioneering sense in North Queensland. Um, and he established his first farm then. And in establishing that, he established a bit of a family tradition working land. Um, he has since passed, but uh, my father and his two brothers continue to operate his properties. Initially, uh, when the sort of agricultural industry was established in North Queensland, tobacco was sort of the predominant, uh, you know, crop that was growing. That obviously has long passed. Our own property then went through a period, almost a holding pattern, if you like, whereby we we grew an array of different crops, um, you know, annually. But we, we were the family had always been searching for something to truly, you know, throw themselves into a larger project. Uh, something, you know, sort of the finest crop that our farm could support. Um, so that that sort of holding pattern went on for quite a number of years. Um, and you know, we entertained coffee. Uh, given the sort of commitment it requires in terms of establishing a plantation, all the associated investment, and just a life commitment, right? My uncles and my father are no spring chickens. So in order for us to pursue this, it really required almost a, a sort of unified family commitment and a unified commitment from myself and, you know, my cousins and my brother, et cetera. Once that was forthcoming, yeah, the commitment was made to grow coffee. Jack Murat's origins are bound up in stories of immigration, identity, and in a family search for the crop that would carry their tail forward. Um, in 2014, we established Jack Murat. Uh, reason being is my grandfather, when he first moved to Australia, he was quickly renamed Jack. So we thought it, you know, it apt to to sort of, you know, have a bit of nod, a nod of honour, if you like, to him and to his pioneering ways. And we thought it made sense given, you know, that the coffee should bear the name of the property's first farmer. So that's where Jack Murat came about. Um, and, yeah, our first coffee planting was in 2014, so around seven years has since passed. 
the trees are now well established and yeah we've had a, an initial couple of harvests and now we uh yeah we eagerly uh, introducing the product to the Australian market Coffee is an annual crop eventually but it takes years to establish seedlings and nurture them until they fruit Deciding to take this path took a lot of planning commitment and conversation but in a country that loves drinking coffee it was the idea of locally grown beans that gave the Marat family passion and purpose. It's a tremendous commitment, right? Like a seedling is planted and it takes, you know, four or five years to, to bear any fruit. So, and then, you know, you need all the accompanying equipment and, you know, you need to establish your own processing plant. So it's, it's quite a real and significant commitment. The process we went through, we just surveyed the industry, if you like, our own property, the environment we operate in, you know, the prospects of the Australian market and coffee just made sense. Like, you know, we we sit within the, the world's bean belt, so within the tropics, so the climate and the conditions are well suited to grow coffee. Um, so th that made perfect sense. And then you overlay the prospects of it. We've got a phenomenally vibrant Australian industry um, with limited to minimal locally grown, um, you know, locally grown coffee. So it just made, yeah, it made perfect sense to us. The environment, the conditions of our farm then match with the vibrant Australian coffee industry. And it just seemed, yeah, it seemed like a perfect fit and, I, I certainly think it is, and it sort of, you know, injected the family with a sense of passion and purpose. And unlike some of the other crops we've been growing in this sort of interim period, you know, we now have the opportunity to introduce our product directly to our consumers, to our customers, unlike some of the other, uh, you know, uh, crops we've been growing, whereby, you know, the process is often opaque and distant. Coffee permits us to be a genuine producer and, in doing so, yeah, it's it's sort of reinvigorated and unified the family in its pursuit. Located in North Queensland, along the Great Dividing Range, the tropical environment suits coffee, and Jamal hopes that the resulting crop will reflect its volcanic soil, monsoonal rains, elevation, and unique terroir. The location, if you... Uh, Kansas probably, or Kansas is the nearest sort of largest city. So it's it's west of Kansas, about an hour and a half. The nearest township is Mariba, so it sits just outside of Mariba. The tropics are important from a coffee producing uh, perspective because of conditions, the rainfall, uh, you know, the, the rainfall is good, the elevation is sound, um, the soils are rich to sustain the coffee. So all of these sort of factors come together and yeah, create almost a perfect environment to yeah, grow coffee. We're, we're sort of wedged almost between the rainforest and the outback savannah. So it's quite a unique, yeah, very unique uh, environment, if you like. And, and coffee is all about the uniqueness of environment. You know, it's assumed that coffee bears the flavours of its environment. And given when we are in the uniqueness and given Australia in terms of its production represents a tiny proportion of the world's production, it's that unique environment which, you know, manifests itself in our product ultimately. Uh, the soil itself is rich volcanic soil. Uh, the climate is, is, is tropical. You know, we have monsoonal rains most of the summer, so it commences around now and extends to February generally. 
Um, the elevation, it's elevated, so we're, we're it's more or less the highest point of elevation along the Great Dividing Range. Again, it's, it's thought that elevation plays a part as well in terms of uh, coffee growing and the ultimate outcome you achieve. Again, relative to some other places in the world, naturally, we're, we're, we're more distant to the equator relative to some other coffee-growing regions, which, again, the elevations are, you know, are very high. Um, but we, we still have sufficient elevation. And if we're to draw parallels, you know, probably some of the Brazilian producers would have somewhat similar conditions. But, again, noting Australia is Australia and unique in its own right. You might drink coffee every day, but you may not be as familiar with the careful, arduous process of turning a coffee cherry into a cafe latte. Unlike other uh, fruits, if you like, um, when it comes to growing coffee, coffee is grown on a, on a tree, on a shrub. It has a layer of flesh in the skin. Uh, what we often do, we harvest that. And then the idea with coffee, as I said, unlike other fruits, is you remove the fruit, you remove the skin, and you just keep the bean itself. So it goes through a, a sort of process to remove that skin and to remove the flesh attached to the seed. So we, we go through a particular process, and you'll find different processes across the world in terms of how you go about uh, doing that. We have our own, and as I sort of referenced earlier, we've, we've, we've leaned on sort of processes quite uh, dominant in Colombia. Um, so we go through that process, and then the seed itself is dried. So they go into dryers or they go out onto, you know, like patios and they're sun-dried. And then they're sun-dried to a particular moisture level, and then they're stored and distributed to roasters. And then roasters do, you know, their craft, and they roast it to the best of their ability in a bid to, you know, showcase the, uh, the seed or the bean, in the, you know, as well as they possibly can. Growing coffee has been a great way to build relationships with local roasters, those who turn green beans into roasted beans that are ready to grind, brew and enjoy. Yeah, so that, that's, that's one of the real perks and benefits of coffee is those relationships. And again, as I touched on earlier, the, the Australian uh, roaster scene is, you know, world leading in that sense. So it's been wonderful to meet and greet a lot of people uh, in, the, in the roasting industry in Australia. So the way we've, we're doing it, like, you know, it's very much relationship driven. It's introducing the product to roasters um, and then they, they have an opportunity to assess it and assess the prospects of it. In our own case, we partnered with Nick Theodore. Nick, Nick has a long history in the roasting industry. He used to head up the coffee program at Reuben Hills, which is quite a prominent cafe in Sydney and sort of one of the leaders in coffee and early adopters, um, you know, in the specialty scene in Australia. So Nick's been a tremendous asset in terms of, you know, bringing that craft to the roasting piece for us. And, I, you know, Nick certainly sees phenomenal prospects in our, in our farm and in the coffee we're growing. So that's been a lot of fun um, and the tinkering that comes with roasting, right? There's an array of profiles that you can, uh, you can, uh, you can roast your coffee you know, from there's a whole spectrum of roast profiles. Seeing the nuances across that spectrum has been a lot of fun. 
Um, and then seeing neurosis, yeah, purchase a coffee and then subsequently introduce it to their own customer bases has been a lot of fun as well. Australians usually love local produce, but there are still a few hurdles to ensure Australians prize locally grown coffee beans. How does Jamal tackle this coffee cultural cringe? The dynamics we face being an Australian producer is somewhat odd in the sense that our coffee almost sells itself overseas. Um, yet domestically, it's somewhat shunned, if I'm honest with you. So my intention, though, is to really have a, a local product that meets the expectations of the local market. So, you know, so although we may find interest overseas, I'm, we're, we're very committed still to carve out a local presence as well. It's been going really well to date. Uh, it's been going really well. We recently just concluded a collaboration with a Melbourne roaster called Zest. So they're quite big across the eastern seaboard. Um, so Zest, they have they have a real uh, hands-on approach to partnerships when it comes to farmers. So what we what we did with Zest is they they came up to the farm for a few weeks, and we almost established or we did we established a micro lot program. So we ran about 10 different uh, alternative processes over our crop. And then in doing so, the intent is to then showcase that to, you know, more or less the pointy end of the coffee industry to show them that Australian coffee done at its best can taste like this. And the early signs are that we've, we've achieved some really great outcomes, like some really solid scoring coffees that could, you know, sit there confidently in the mix with, you know, fine producers the world over. So I think that that's a real milestone for us and that, that will certainly demonstrate that Australia can certainly grow great coffee. Traceability is something that consumers are placing more and more importance on, especially when it comes to coffee, a product that often prompts tricky discussions around purchasing ethics and fair trade. How does Jack Murat respond to that with their coffee, marketing and pricing? We're all about localism and our, our sort of vision is to carve out a truly traceable product uh, from our farm in North Queensland to the consumers across Australia. Um, and, you know, certainly localism features strongly in our relationships with our customers. I think it's, you know, increasingly across the Australian landscape is something that customers and consumers are seeking to prioritize and they're prioritizing without any you know trade-off in quality so yeah that that complete traceability from our farm to our consumers to our customers is a phenomenal asset and one which you know most other coffee companies and uh, roasters can't necessarily replicate like we can um so yeah that that's a real key feature for us and one that, you know, we, we warmly sort of uh, promote to our, to our customers and one which, you know, we, we want to have a, uh, an open sort of annual program, if you like, whereby our customers, you know, have the ability to come visit our farm, have the ability to participate in some manner, have the ability to take those stories and then convey them to their customers across Australia um, in terms of the, the economic side, yeah, that, that's, that's certainly been an impediment to the establishment of the Australian industry, and that's probably why it hasn't been, it's not as advanced as other industries here, is the economics 
have always been somewhat challenging. You know, the co- coffee the world over is often picked by hand. To achieve that in Australia is, you know, is very challenging and would, it would compromise the economics of doing such. However, the advent of, you know, certain technologies which we can adapt to the coffee industry like mechanical harvesting, you know, colour sorting, um, just enhanced sorting generally sort of al- allows us to overcome some of those hurdles when it comes to the cost of production. Um, so, yeah, we're certainly doing that. And what we're noticing now is production costs the world over are on the rise. And, you know, that's perhaps somewhat distorted given COVID impacts on logistics and freight. But I still think what we'll find, and maybe to the point you made earlier around climate change, is perhaps we are in the trend now of having increasing global prices in coffee. Um, so I think the the gap between the cost of us producing coffee and the cost and the cost of importing coffee is perhaps closing. Family farming is always emotional. What does it feel like to be working with your brothers and father in this way? And how do they see the future? Coffee, I, I feel, has injected us with a real sense of purpose and, you know, it's unified the family in this endeavour. Coffee, given it is a discerning crop, you know, we, we are starting to take a tremendous amount of pride in you know, everything we do day to day and the ultimate outcome that we achieve with coffee. Um, so it's it's been lovely, right? Like. I've always had close bonds with my uncles, my father, but the pursuit of coffee is just, you know, added to that bond. The, you know, the rate in which we speak to each other has increased, you know, to multiple times a week versus perhaps, you know, once a month. So it's been lovely. Um, the family are, yeah, really behind this. And again, it sows a seed for succession, right? Um my my father and my uncles have been farming for many years now and you know now we're getting to the point of my cousin who's you know pursued agricultural science you know imminently being uh, joining the family business as well so it provides a pathway for succession and you know to allow that family tradition of working the land to continue i think it's an exciting future i think when it comes to the Australian coffee industry, we're just more or less on the start line. I think we'll find a lot of sophistication into the processing piece. I think we'll find an increasing availability of Australian coffee uh, in the cafe industry itself. Um, and I think we'll have a real vibrant growing um, industry, you know, not just a roasting cafe industry. And I think as has sort of mentioned earlier that localism will sort of is on the rise I feel and so long as we continue to execute on the uh, the quality piece I think it's a real yeah it's a real bright future I love the I love the fact that customers you know enjoy your product and they you know it's a I said it earlier, but it's part of everyone's sort of daily ritual or a large part of the country's ritual, right? And we get to participate in that. And people people savour their daily coffee, be it one or multiple. Uh, so it's nice to participate in that. And it's nice to have to grow something which, you know, is evaluated on quite a complex 
quality assessment basis. Um, you know, the nuances, the flavors are enjoyed. And the accompanying story that we go through annually to produce the coffee is enjoyed. The Murat family have invested time, money and emotion into their coffee business. Though it's just beginning, they're full of optimism and hope. Perhaps it is time for Australia's coffee culture to be more connected to the country's soil, water and environment to create a truly local brew. This is The Producers, a Deep in the Weeds production. I'm Danny Vallant. Stay tuned as we talk to some of Australia's best farmers, makers and growers. Follow us on Instagram at Producers Podcast or contact us via deepintheweeds.com.au.